you don't actually equate that to love because that's not what you saw growing up. So like what you see in your family of origin and your household and the dynamics between your parents is typically what will show up for you um, in your dating life. And I know I saw my dad was emotionally unavailable. He numbed out all the time. Like he was super likable by so many people, but like, you know, had a short temper and I can see how that desire to want to earn his love Mm -hmm. has played out in my relationships of dating men who are emotionally unavailable, who are codependent. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. All right. What is up, everybody? This is Lauren Salon. I'm joined by one of my besties. I'm Melissa Martin. Welcome. Welcome. We're so excited to share this podcast episode with you. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be a super fun one. So We pulled you guys and got a ton of questions off Instagram about dating, divorce, marriage, relationships, like sex, love, all the things. And you guys submitted some incredible Mm -hmm. questions. So because both of us, you know, of course, everybody's stories and experiences are unique, but Melissa and I happen to have some similarities in our, our recent past with, with relationships and everything. So we wanted to dig into it all a bit more in depth with you because we know not only will, will there be some like, you know, fun, fun stories to share, of course, but likely some good insight and things that I think will be really supportive for you guys all listening. Mm. And yeah. yeah, I think we could start by each sharing like our own quick stories and experiences and kind of like relationship, you know, stuff to get everybody up to speed with who we are and what, where we're at in our lives and then get into your questions and how dating, love, divorce, all that kind of stuff has been over the past Mm. year and a half, two years. Yeah. I think that uh, this is probably one of the most common questions I get on my social media is like, have you ever been married? Are you dating? What kind of people do you date? How did you know that it was time to leave your marriage? What did that look like for you? Um, so I'll take you back. Um, my ex-husband and I met, uh, through a mutual friend, we were engaged within eight months. And for me personally, I was in a place in my life where I was definitely growing, but more professionally, not necessarily so much personally. And I think that, um, you know, relationships are such a powerful, 
container for growth and everyone comes into your life for a reason to like teach you something specific. Right. And in the context of my marriage, I started to see a lot of like the same patterns show up again that had been in past relationships. And because I had made this commitment to marriage, my decision to actually look at my shit and do the work around it, um, was really, strengthened by the fact that I was married, where in the past, like I might've just been like, oh, well, this relationship doesn't work. And I would break up and then repeat the same pattern over and over again. Right. So I think that for me personally, being in that container of commitment really gave me an opportunity or an invitation to decide if I really wanted to look at this stuff. Right. And I think in any relationship, when one person's growing or growth focused and the other one isn't, there will come a point where maybe your values don't align anymore or what you used to find in common with one another, you don't. And this is the beautiful thing about relationships is they're always evolving. They're always growing. And I got to a point where I felt like I had been doing a lot of my own work to uncover my blocks and my insecurities. And as a result of that, I started to show up differently in my marriage and we just started to grow apart, right? We wanted different things. My value systems changed. My awareness around what I had co-created started to change. And I would say if I'm being completely honest, I knew it was over two years prior to Mm -hmm. actually walking away, but there is a part of me that because I had made the commitment, I wanted to exhaust like every single option. Right. And I kept inviting him into the conversation. And I think that's all you can really do is just invite the person in And if they're willing to kind of walk that path with you, great. And if they're not like you have to make some decisions. And so to kind of sum this up, um, it was about six months before we actually transitioned out of our marriage, where I hired a relationship coach to help me with some of my stuff that I was going through around embodiment and my sexuality and feeling safe and really work through my own blocks. And in the container of that, she helped me get super clear on like, what are my non-negotiables? Right. Like, and a non-negotiable is not negotiable. And that, that I think for me was the hardest part like, well, people pleasing stuff coming up and I had to write them down and, and, and figure out why they're important to me. And, and then sit down with my, my then husband and say, Hey, I'm not happy. And here's where I'm at. And here's what I'm looking for. And here are my non-negotiables. And I'm not demanding that you actually meet them, but I am saying that if you don't, that's cool, but I'm going to go my separate way. And so for the next six months, I had to sit and watch and observe and see if he was really going to do the things that he said he was going to do. And he didn't, you know, so for us, when we transition out, there was no drama, right? Because I laid everything out. And so the, 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 I was congruent with my word. And I think that's the most important thing for anyone in a relationship is if you say, Hey, if you do this, then I'm going to do that. It's not about an ultimatum. It's just about a boundary. And then you don't follow through, then that person's never going to respect you. Right. So when it came time for us to get divorced, like I held true to my word. And for me, I knew, okay, like I said what I wanted. He's not willing to meet it. There's my answer. Right. Um, so for us, like there wasn't really any drama, but you know, it doesn't make mean that it was easy. Like I definitely remember feeling like excited and happy and, um, looking forward to this new chapter of life where I get to spend all this time on myself and I'm I'm not drained by the relationship, but at the same time, feeling really sad of like it's morning grief, grief. so much grief. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my 
my backstory. And so that was the end of 2019. Actually, it was like two days after Christmas. Yeah. Wow. Day after my birthday. (laughs) Yeah. And you took some time, like you didn't jump right into dating. You took some time on your own. Yeah. So I think, um, for me, it was really important that I healed like all of the past stuff. Cause I recognize like, this is a pattern. Right. And so if in the context of my relationship, I knew that I wanted something different, it was really important for me to take different action. So I really kind of sat and focused on myself and my wounds and healing. And then I got to this like weird point, like I'd say 90 days after where I started to get lonely and I started to want attention and I started to feel like anxious. And instead of following that, which is what I've done in every relationship where like, I'm a relationship girl, I I've never dated. Right. So I would like be in a relationship that's over. And then three months later, I'd meet someone new and we're in a relationship. The funny thing about that is I was never the relationship girl, but always had like plenty of attention and options and that sort of thing. So I always had that incoming stimulus, right. Of like attention and I'm wanted and all this kind of stuff, but was not like it, it took a lot for me to want to jump into a relationship. Yeah. See, I wanted like the focused attention from one person and that felt really good. So knowing that that was a pattern, I was like, okay, like I don't want that. So I had to, once I got to that point, I was like, this is interesting. What's behind this. What am I seeking? What am I looking for? Mm -hmm. And I sat with that and I got, on the other side of it where I realized, oh, I'm self-partnered now. Like I actually was able to fulfill the things that I was missing, not by seeking it from somebody else, but by enriching my life with experiences and relationships and friendships that were not sexual in relation in context. Right. So I gave myself that space I've never done before to like go past that point. Right. Like we all have our edge that we've been to. And it's like the unknown is after that. And that's kind of what I did. So I spent a whole year not dating, not flirting, not in the DMS. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I feel like I've done a lot of work. Like I've healed a lot of this stuff, but in order for me to keep going and growing, like I'm going to have to start dating because ultimately people are mirrors and they're going to trigger me. And like, well, baby, is that happening right now? But like, (laughs) yeah. So And now we enter phase, phase one was like divorce. Phase two was like celibacy and self-healing and phase three is like dating. And yeah, yeah, it's wild. (laughs) Exciting stories. And so, so for me, you know, I met my ex-husband when I was 23 years old, which is so crazy. We met at a bar, like amazing, like first night meeting and like dating and stuff like that. My ex is an incredible man. We dated for about four years, but like four, four years, four and a half years before we got married um, and ended up being together for 10 years, married for five. And we had had some challenges and stuff like that, that all kind of went back to like the same kind of core issues and stuff and like core root causes, if you will. And so, yeah, so we, we had, you know, some issues kind of early on in our marriage. And, and I think when you said, Melissa, like with knowing what your non-negotiables are, like I wasn't completely clear on what those were when I went into my marriage and like, and here's the thing, like we're always, we're doing the best that we can with, with where we're at, you know? And so like, I don't have any regrets around it. I don't think I did anything wrong, quote unquote, but like, 
you know, it's, it's interesting to look back at like your decision-making and thinking and all that kind of stuff as like, you know, me now 34 years old thinking about like 23 year old me meeting him. And then like 28 or 29 year old me getting married and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so we, we had like our stuff, but like for the most part had a really good relationship, a really good marriage. We got along super well. We had a great friendship foundation, had so much fun together. Um, everything looked amazing from the outside, like that sort of thing. And, um, like I said, like 2019, we were dealing with kind of a lot of intense stuff. And I, I talk about this, like with business things and everything like that, how 2019 was kind of my, uh, gap year, if you will. I like took a break from my business. I was dealing with some depression. I was needing to focus on the relationship and wanting to prioritize like my own self-care prioritize my relationship. Because at the end of the day, like I would like work is always going to be there. Right. And so for me back then it was like, Oh, I need to, I need to put energy into this relationship and make sure like, I'm not sacrificing it for the sake of work and all that kind of stuff. And end of 2019, we bought a home together. We moved in the week of Christmas, 2019. And then obviously like not too much longer after that, like the world shut down and the funny thing is like, I know, you know, so many people, like a lot of, a lot of people had COVID breakups. Right. Mm-hmm. And for it's, it's funny. Cause some people are like, Oh, did you guys like, Oh, and once you're like in the house together all the time, like it just didn't work and blah, 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 blah. And, and my answer is like, no, actually not really. Like we had a blast being locked down together. Like yeah. it worked really well, but it also, when you eliminate all the other things that are going on in your life, like your social life, seeing your friends, going to the gym, being busy, whatever it is. And you're forced to slow down like that. Like it shows like mm-hmm. what's working and what isn't. And I think it showed that in all areas like of, of my life and many people's lives, including the relationship. Right. And so, so it, those issues that we had been working on for a while were still there. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, you know, we had worked on things a lot ourselves, which, you know, in hindsight probably wasn't the best solution though. I don't, th- I think if we had gone to therapy earlier, I don't think it would have quote unquote saved our marriage. I think we would have ended things sooner, sooner. to be perfectly yeah. honest. Same. Yeah. Um, And so we got to a point the end, uh, or, you know, like April, 2020, where I kind of hit a, hit a wall with things. And I said, you know what, like, I don't like, I think I only have six months left to fight for this relationship. And if we do that, then like, we have to do it with a therapist or a coach or a third party. Like we can't just be doing it on our own because it's not working. Like we're, we're like, taking, we're like making inches of progress every couple months, but we need to go like a few, several feet. Right. And so said that, and we decided, okay, well, we're going to work on things with, you know, with a therapist or something. And I said, like, if after, you know, I have six months to fight for this. And if, if in six months we don't have like significant progress, I think we just need to separate on principle because again, we were like, like inching along. Yeah but it wasn't enough. And so like at that pace, you're just kind of like dying a slow death, right. Mm -hmm. And not being completely fulfilled. And so we decided to to look at therapists, coaches, all of that within like a a week or two, we had had several consultations and and literally like had consultations with different therapists in a very short timeframe, decided one we were going to go with, 
then had deep dives with this therapist, like one-on-one deep dives. And literally within that first week, like I came to, I realized and finally vocalized that I didn't want to be in my marriage anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, and that was the first time I'd ever said that or really acknowledged that was like with, with my therapist. And so it very quickly went from therapy to quote unquote, fix our marriage and stay together to therapy, to help us come out of our relationship in a, in the most like beautiful and healthy way possible. And, and so we continued to do therapy together, couples and individual, even though we decided we were splitting up, which was very supportive to do. Um, but same thing, like you said, like, I think it had been under the surface for a long time, but like, same, like I'm, I'm not a quitter, you know, like yeah. I don't, and, and like, I never wanted to get divorced and I loved my ex. Yeah. Like I still love yeah. him very much. And so I didn't want to like give up, you know, I was like, no, yeah. we are going to do, try every single thing, right. no matter what, like, da, 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 da. and so yeah. like, yeah, like I felt like I, you know, exhausted all the options and everything. And, and so end of April, 2020 decided we are going to get a divorce. My um, we stayed living in the same house together for two months, um, while he was looking for another place and everything like that. And then July 1st, 2020, my ex moved out and I jumped right into dating, which was awesome. <laughs> um, and for me, the rest of, so the second half of 2020 was a lot of dating, you know, conscious and intentional dating, but it was also dating, with no desire for attachment, no desire for a relationship. Yes. Honest communication, all that kind of stuff, like not being deceptive or like, you know, you know, like no, like fuck boy energy, like from my end, what do you call it? Like, I don't know, fuck girl energy, but none of that. So being like, um, conscious and intentional, but I, I was very clear, like, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm not looking to be exclusive with anybody. I don't have the energy to, to be, yeah, to be exclusive. You know, I, I'm looking to have fun and to connect with incredible people and to get back out into the dating world and all that. Um, and I had a great time in 2020. And for me in 2021, that has shifted to what, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the real thing. I absolutely want to get married again. I want to have a family, all of that. So, so my, I'm being much more intentional and uh, discriminatory, I guess, with my inner mm. time and energy as far as dating goes, um, mm. this year. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and like cool, a lot of cool experiences and great humans and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, so, so here we are. And I will say too, I don't, you probably didn't like, I had never done online dating. Never. I've never ever. dated, dated like this either. Yeah. Like yeah. I was with my ex for seven years. And prior to that, I had a couple of like shorter term relationships, like four or five months. And then I was with someone for three years prior to that. And then someone else for two and a half years prior to that. And like in between, like I said, the time span in between those relationships was like three to six months tops. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have I didn't use apps, right? Because yeah. I was working in the corporate world and like, I would just meet people out or whatever. And now like for me, the dating apps made the most sense. One, because of the environment that we're living in, but two, like I don't have a big social life where I, I was living in California. Like I live in like a more like neighborhoody type of like family oriented community. So I'm not out in the scene. I'm not going out meeting people mm -hmm. at bars. Like the gyms aren't open. And I had just moved to Atlanta. 
So I was like, okay, I don't know anybody. I don't have a core group of friends. Like, where do you typically meet somebody out? It's either someone's introducing you, you meet them at a bar or you're at some sort of activity, you know, with other people. So I was like, let me just, I had to do some work around my stigma with dating apps as well of like, oh, my person's not going to be on an app. Like they're too evolved for that or some bullshit. And so I had to really like shift my perspective around, like around that. But I'm curious because I'm the type of person, like I just fall in love like, like that, like I attach, (laughs) I get feelings. Like, I think for me, the, the, the challenging part about dating is that feeling of like, not being, um, like not being honest, which seems kind of weird. Like what I mean by honest is like, if you're dating multiple people at the same time, like it feels weird to me because I've always been a relationship Mm -hmm. girl. So I've never been in containers with multiple people at the same time. So how do you not catch feelings for people? Like, how do you compartmentalize and say like, I like you and you're fun, but I don't want to like build a deeper connection, but yeah, I'm looking for deep connection. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, how do you, well, I, I, great question. I don't have an answer for how to, I don't know how to articulate that because yeah. I will one, I've always been very good at not like allowing myself to get strong feelings, (laughs) which has like been a problem in the past. But I think even now, like with dating multiple people, um, I have my emotional boundaries, like really clear and I'm not being inauthentic and I'm not necessarily holding back. Like if I'm feeling strong feelings about somebody that's Mm -hmm. exciting and I will allow that and if I don't feel like the energy is being reciprocated, I might like, you know, tap the brakes on my end a little bit or not reciprocated, but if I don't feel like we're moving at the same pace, maybe Mm. I'll tap the brakes a little so that I'm like managing where I'm at. Um, so I don't necessarily have a good, like, how do you do that answer? (laughs) Cause it's like always been, it's been like too easy for me to not be emotionally connected in the past. Um, but I think also something in my own, emotional intelligence journey and healing journey and stuff like that, it's become so much easier for me to, uh, to develop genuine, um, like feelings of love. And I don't mean being in love, but like genuine, like compassionate, beautiful, like feelings of love for people, whether it's friends, like even people I don't know, well, like my ability, capacity for loving other humans has increased so much and I don't have like an attachment to that where like, it's like, I, I feel like I'm able to give that away mm. without an expectation yeah, yeah. more easily. Of course, when those feelings are in the context of a relationship, it can be a little bit trickier, but as I've been able to do that more just on a human level, it becomes easier for me to have really genuine, deep, intimate yeah. connections without necessarily feeling, uh, that like nervous mm. energy with it or like stress. anxious attachment yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and of course, like I'm not perfect with it by any means, but, but yeah, but so it's been, it's been an adventure, for sure. <laughs> but like, it's funny because I say too, like, Oh, historically I like, I date more like a guy than a girl. So like, so what does that mean? Cause <laughs> let's, let's dive into that stigma. Like what does that mean? Yeah. So which how do guys date how do girls date right right? such like I'm like well this will get into some of the questions too yeah I'm stereotyping for sure and then we'll we'll jump into the questions but when I say like oh historically I date more like a guy than a girl I mean like I'm not 
I'm usually not the one that gets emotionally attached. I'm usually the one to break it up. I'm not the one Mm. who gets feelings first, like that sort of thing. I have an easier time dating multiple people than like the guys I'm seeing and stuff. And so, Hmm. um, so yeah, so I mean, it's almost like the heart, I'm like more heartless. I, I don't know, but I used to, yeah, like date more like a dude than a girl. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's like a societal thing, like girls are taught from a young age through like media and movies to fall in love quickly and, and like not play the field where guys are like taught to like keep their options open and like, sow their oats, you know, like, I wonder where that comes from in terms of like society as a whole, like, and this, this will get into some of the questions that we had of like, you know, sex before marriage and multiple partners where there is definitely like a double standard where for men, it's like acceptable to date and have sex with multiple people. But for women, it's considered trashy or slutty or whatever to like have multiple partners or to be sexually expressed. Like there's such a stigma, but I think that's shifting now with a lot of like the stripper rap that's coming out and like <laughs> women's empowerment and even only fans and all this stuff where women are like taking their power back. Right. And, and like redefining what it means to be expressive in relationships, or even like you said, date, like a guy, like, why do, why do women have to hold on to the first guy that comes along? Is it like a biological thing? Cause we need to have babies. Is it like back in the day, a security thing? Probably, probably that's what it comes from is like the dowry and like securing the family line. Yeah. And like, but interestingly though, cause I've like done a lot of, I've read like several books and stuff and like done some research on like, you know, like monogamy and like human sexuality and like how that goes back to like, you know, how we see that in like primates and stuff like that, like where that comes from. And like in a lot of situations, like the female species are the ones who are more quote unquote promiscuous, right. And who are like, like, yeah. (laughs) And like, and like bonobo monkeys, right. Like or apes or whatever, like, so it's, so it's really interesting because yeah, I think that has, cause it's looked different over right. time. Well, and the reality is like, if a woman, like, let's just speak biologically speaking, like the female species is designed to reproduce. So if you're limiting yourself to one person and, uh, you're the, the likelihood that that person will or will not the, the male species be able to produce great off, offspring is low. Right. So so like in some (laughs) studies of this kind of stuff, like there've been, I I think it's with certain like primates. So certain like apes, um, where the women will be super promiscuous because, and so they'll sleep with a ton of the different males because whichever male sperm ends up like winning is the strongest, best one. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's the strongest one. And so it's all about like the literally like procreation instincts and stuff. Right. So Mm. how about that for anthropological information for you? Um, okay. Shall we get into, let's get into the questions. Questions. All right. Do we, we'll just go in order, I guess. Okay. Okay. We've got a question from Instagram. Why are the nicest women attracted to the shithead guys and not the nice guys? Hmm. I don't think that's entirely accurate, actually. Um, why, why is this? Cause I will say too, like, I definitely have had like a bad boy flair. I think I'm in the bad will. boy flair right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm I, in that. My type definitely used to be the bad boys who weren't really good for me. Um, and while now I still enjoy like a, a little bit of an edge and a little bad boy, Ness, I definitely like a man who is kind and like a good 
man, but, and I think for me, like why I was attracted to that is some, some level of self-preservation and my own like trauma that needed healing. Like I grew up with my, my parents argued all the time. And so my example of love and marriage was a lot of tension and a lot of, um, yeah, struggle and conflict and stuff like that. And so I am drawn in some way or used to be drawn to that, like, Mm. like difficulty and toxic energy and stuff. And I think Mm. also for me, possibly it was, oh, well, I know these like bad boy types, like ultimately, like, I know they're not good enough for me. And so like, I always then have that upper hand. Yeah. Right. Like, and for me too, and this goes to like my parents' situation and stuff is like, oh, well, what if I'm the thing that changes them? Mm. Right. Like that used to be my, a little bit of my thing, which thankfully not anymore. I'm like, I I don't need a project figuring shit out. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think for me, like I'm thinking back to my very first relationship. I definitely dated a bad boy. Like it was somebody who I put on a pedestal because I admired him so much for his confidence and his wit and like just how he made me feel. And like, it's almost, it came down to a worthiness thing of like wanting to be chosen. Right. Mm, So if the guy that is the quote unquote bad boy and what makes him a bad boy, right. He's super confident. He's not as responsive. Like he's, um, a little bit more closed off, not as accessible. Right. I think human nature, like we want the things that we can't have. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, definitely like dating the bad boy was about a being chosen thing. Like, oh, I was chosen by the bad boy. Like I stuck it yeah. out, you know, and, yeah. and now I'm worthy of being chosen by this man who I have put on a pedestal that right. I view as being like so much better than me and so much cooler than me. And like, all I want is his attention. Right. And I think you, for me personally, like as a, as a young woman too, like I saw that in female relationships as well. Like I wanted to be friends with the popular girls. Like I wanted to be chosen by them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a a desire to want to fit in. So for me, I think some of the good girls choose the bad guys out of a worthiness thing. Um, but I also think it's a, it's a trigger thing, right? So, um, I'm reading this book right now called all about love, which is super fascinating. And in it, it talks about how we identify what love is from a young age. This kind of goes back to what you were saying of like, if you grew up in a household that you, your, um, example of love was, um, your parents being disconnected and not emotionally available. And maybe there was some verbal abuse or, um, like a lot of, uh, like comments of like, I'm doing this because I love you, you know, things like that, then that's how you identify what love is. So when healthy masculine comes along or the quote unquote, good boys come along that treat you with respect and they're kind, you don't actually equate that to love because that's not what you saw growing up. So like what you see in your family of origin and your household and the dynamics between your parents is typically what will show up for you um, in your dating life. And I know I saw my dad was emotionally unavailable. He numbed out all the time. Like he was super likable by so many people, but like, you know, had a short temper and I can see how that desire to want to earn his love Mm -hmm. has played out in my relationships of dating men who are emotionally unavailable, who are codependent. Like let, I saw my mom and the relationship that I had with my dad of like, she had a genuine desire to want to fix him, to want to help him. Let me make your life easier. I saw this um, meme the other day, there's quote tile that says like codependency is me working harder on your problems for you than you do. Mm. 
And I was like, damn, that's so accurate. Right. So yeah. I think also the good girls go for the bad boys because it's a codependency thing yeah. of like, oh, you're wounded. Let and, me fix you. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. and yeah, because like this helps makes me feel important. Yeah. Right? And value. Yeah. Both of us, I think, are women who have had worthiness issues and tied a lot of our worth into what we do and what we accomplish. Yes. And so even with a relationship, oh, it has to take work and it has to be hard. And if I accomplish this, if I can be what changes him and mm, gets him to, then I you know, figure out whatever his demons are and heal and not be right. the bad boy anymore, then I am worth something because yes. I was able to be that difference in his life. Totally. Right. Yeah. And, and interestingly, like I married somebody who was very different than the relationship that I saw growing up. Right. Yeah. Like my ex-husband was not like, like my father and like right. all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting yeah. to see how it all plays out. Yeah. Are you an entrepreneur looking to elevate your authority? Do you want to be known as the go-to expert in your industry, even more than you already are to reach celebrity status and get your message out to even more people around the world? Have you been considering public relations, but you just haven't found the right agency to work with? Or maybe you haven't seen the results that you were hoping for? I get it. Working with a PR agency can be expensive and sometimes you don't get the results. At Influence and Impact, we've worked with some of the biggest heart-centered entrepreneurs in the game, helping them to land major media coverage, top podcast interviews, speaking gigs, and collaborate with influencers who are excited to share their message with their audience. We would love to support you in getting your message out into the world in an even bigger way so that you can make an even bigger impact. You deserve it and the world needs more of you. To learn more about Influence and Impact's PR and Influencer Marketing Services, please visit laurensalon.com. All right, next question is, sex without relationship. So it's not really a question, but I think it's just asking like maybe what we think about sex without a relationship. And I think my thing is like, Hey, do whatever, do what you want to do as long as you're not hurting others. And as long as like you're being honest, fine. Right. Yeah. Like that's, I, I have had situations where, you know, there's great sexual connection and it is mostly physical and there's no like dating, but there is a, um, there's a lot of respect, there's communication and there are very clear boundaries and clear expectations mm -hmm. as well. Like if you're being dishonest or manipulative or anything, I think that's not okay. But like, yeah, if, if you're clear with people like, Hey, I'm just looking for something physical right now. I think you're amazing. And I, but I want to keep it as just sex and I'm not looking for a relationship as long as the other person's okay with that get it. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. I think it's uh, circumstantial to the actual person. And I think you have to kind of explore both and see like what feels good and what doesn't for you. And I think I'm kind of in that phase right now of like sex without a relationship for me in the past, sex without a relationship has been manipulative because I want the relationship. So yeah. let me just be, you know, the best in all of these different ways. And again, it kind of goes back to that first question of like, let me make you fall in love with me and, yeah. and be so irresistible. Yes. Right. So now for me, what I'm finding with my sexuality is like, it takes a lot for me to go deeper into my sexual experience. Like I can have sex without a relationship and it can be good, but in order for me to really experience, I think the full range of pleasure, I need to feel safe. I need to feel connected. I want to feel loved and nurtured. So it's not just about the sex. It's about yes. everything that leads up to it. And then what happens after and how I'm treated. So 
I am in a place right now where I am having sex outside of relationships. It's mostly in a dating capacity, but in order for it to really like evolve deeper, I personally would prefer the safety of a relationship or like you said, like an exclusivity agreement that I know that like, okay, if we're having sex with multiple partners, like how often are we getting tested? Are we always using protection? What does that look like? Like, are we having sleepovers or not? Like what's the intimacy level? And for me personally, I don't really enjoy like sex with someone and then going home. Like Mm, I like the aftercare of like, let's snuggle, let's spend the morning together. Let's be sweet. That's the romantic side of me and the loving and the nurturing side of me. So like, I think having gone through some of the work that I've done around trauma and sexuality and safety in my body in the past, it would have been like, let's just have sex and call it a day. Whereas now, like the more healed version of me prefers the nurturing, loving, connected, like emotional experience that goes along with it. So my answer to that is like yours, like as long as it feels good for you and you're not hurting anybody, like, yes, but I think you have to test it out and find what works for you. Yeah, exactly. Next question. Can you explain the difference between intuition and being picky? This is an interesting question because I don't necessarily think think there is a difference. I don't think they're the opposite of each other. Yeah. I think, I think there's nothing wrong with being picky. Right. And there, there can be like negative connotations to that. Right. But it's, I think that, um, yeah, being intentional in particular and knowing what you want and then sticking to that Mm. is good. And, and I think when it comes to intuition, like for me, I can trust my body a lot. Right. And so if I like ask myself something, or if I'm thinking about something or I experience something and like, I can tune in with myself and my body can tell me if it's a yes or a no. Right. And so it's not necessarily. So if I come across somebody and there's like something kind of pops up as a no, it's not necessarily being picky. It's just my body giving me a, like being a barometer for me. Mm, I think it's a judgment. I'm hearing judgment in that. Like if you're, if your intuition is saying this thing and it keeps coming up, then your ego stepping in and asking like, why are you being so picky to me? Like the way I receive that, if I'm, if I'm labeling myself as picky, that's a judgment on my values. And then a question of like, well, maybe I should lower my standards because I'm being quote too picky. Right. Because the men that I'm attracting don't check all of my boxes. Right. So I don't, yeah, I, I, to me, words matter. Right. And I think I would invite whoever's asking this question into swapping the word picky with discerning, mm, um, yeah. because picky to me feels more judgmental yeah. uh, and, and like, and being difficult, like you're yeah. being difficult. Like you should lower your standards. You're so picky. You're never going to get what you want. Like that's what I hear yeah. in my head yeah. versus like, no, I trust myself deeply. And like my intuition is telling me something is off. So let me be more discerning about like not lowering my standards and being patient and waiting for the thing that I really want. Cause yeah. it does exist and you deserve it. Like you don't, you, you definitely deserve it. Absolutely. Next question. Where does a guy find a woman like you healthy with like with healthy energy? Honestly, like one, I would say, start with getting clear on what you want and what you don't want. Because mm-hmm. when you do that one, I think those things you know, when you're clear on what you want, you're going to find more of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, too, like when you come across some, you know, a person that isn't a good fit, you're able to tell that faster, honestly, like shit, ask friends, like yeah. re- referrals and connections, like, 
you know, at the gym on apps, like you can find them anywhere. Yeah. I would say if you're, whatever you're seeking, um, is always going to be a reflection of you. Right. So when I know women do this, I don't know if a lot of men do this, but like, when we think about our partners, we'll sit down and write a list of like, what are the values that they have? Mm -hmm. What are the qualities that I want? What kind of like lifestyle choices, what thoughts and beliefs do they have? Right. You can write this list down and then look at it and say, well, am I that Mm. right? And if you are not the thing that you want to attract, then it's an opportunity for you to start looking at your own life and saying, okay, well, how can I start living into and expressing myself in the same way as the type of woman that I want to call into my life? And you will naturally start showing up in the spaces and the communities and the conversations and the places that those types of women hang out in, right? So for example, if you value health and wellness and spirituality, or let's just make it even more simple. Let's say that religion is a huge cornerstone of your life and health and fitness is really important to you. So, you know, your ideal woman is someone who goes to church on Sunday, who likes to be active. She runs marathons, or maybe she's really into like, you know, kayaking and stuff. Then when you start participating in those types of activities, you're going to find women that are also participating in those activities. Right. So it's like, one, are you that? And two, doing the things and putting yourself in the places and spaces that those types of women um, that you're seeking are are in as well. Yeah, yeah. I love that. All right, ne- next thing isn't really a question, but it's an interesting comment. Um, when you realize the path you're on isn't built for you, it doesn't mean you need to destroy your old path with lawyers and arguments. The funny thing about this is there's a lot of assumptions going on in here that, <laughs> that like we yeah. had like crazy, like, legal bites and fights and like arguments and stuff like that when like one so 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 this this comment I'm like okay so if you realize your path or your relationship your marriage isn't the right one is this person saying you should just stay in it and not get lawyers (laughs) and like disagreements involved no so but but for me like I had probably the most respectful love-filled drama-free divorce process that I could have ever imagined. It was peaceful. Like we, we got a divorce, like as a team, which is ironic, but we worked together in the undoing of our marriage. And as cheesy as the, the phrase conscious uncoupling is like, that's very much what I felt like it was. We didn't, I didn't use lawyers in my divorce. I didn't either. We didn't need to, we worked together on things. We made phone calls together when we were filling out paperwork and we, when we didn't understand it, right? Like Mm. we went to the courthouse together to drop off paperwork. It was, and, and so when people listening could be like, well, then what, why'd you get a divorce then? It was so like, everything was so peaceful because it was still not right. We were still not fulfilled, both of us. Um, And we realized we weren't to get to where we both wanted to, like we weren't going, it wasn't going to happen. Right. Also. But do you feel like a part of that too, is that you, you know, you were also doing your own work. You're really into personal development. You're an entrepreneur. Like, I feel like, you know, I've, I've witnessed some other friends go through divorces. Right. And there's always, um, there's, it's so emotional, right. There's a lot of jealousy or control or blame. Right. And neither one of you were blaming the other person. You took full accountability. And so I feel like that's the thing is like, you have to take ownership for your own experience. And that comes from doing your own work. Right. And, and like, 
you know, so for anybody that's listening, that's like, well, that wasn't my experience, right? You can't control the other person. You absolutely can't, but you can only control your experience and the energy that you're willing to put into it. And like, ultimately, if you're coming at it with an energy of like, um, manipulation and control, like you're going to be met with that energy. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, and to like, you know, with that, like, yeah, we, we ended up having a very peaceful divorce and most of our, and so my ex and I, we didn't fight very much at all in our relationship, which looking back was kind of a red flag in a sense. Cause you didn't disagree. On Cause things. we didn't disagree on things. And we also, both of us from like, when we started dating, weren't being like our truest selves mm, and, yeah. and not that and we, we were, were 23. Being, yeah, yeah. And not that we were being like dishonest with each other. Um, we weren't, yeah, we, we weren't really owning fully who we were. Um, do you think that that just comes with age though, as well as like, and access to other like friends and communities, like in the context of your, the the past few years of your life, do you feel like your friend circle has changed a lot? And so therefore you've been having different conversations and. Yeah. And I think for a lot of time, whether it was in my relationship or not, like I was, I also wasn't like living my most authentic self either, you know, as a big people pleaser, had a lot of worthiness issues. So I wasn't, um, in, like living in my fullness yeah. either. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we wouldn't fight cause it'd be just like, Oh, whatever sort of thing. Like it was almost that like lukewarm, which is a problem, Ugh. right? Like yeah. I'd rather have like spicy hot and <laughs> yeah. cold than just neutral, neutral lukewarm all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, but we did have a lot of fighting the month before we started going to therapy, which then it turned very quickly into working toward a divorce. But we, yeah, we had a lot of fighting that month before, but, but yeah, like as much as I would never, like I never want to get a divorce again, I would not want to go through that again. I also can say like, it was, I, it, I don't know that it could have gone more peacefully and more respectfully than it, than it went. And still it was, devastating and not fun. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and to the, to this question or the statement, I also think it's like my, my, um, views on relationships and marriage is like very different now in terms of like longevity. Right. So people wear this like badge of honor that, Oh, we've been married for 20 years, but yet you're fucking miserable. Yeah. Right. But, but you refuse to get a divorce because you've committed to being together. So like, why I, I would rather, not do that. I would rather commit to happiness on both ends. And I think truly loving someone like really, really loving another human being is also realizing that like you want the best for them, even if the best for them doesn't include you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's the one thing I can say about my divorce with my ex-husband is that he was not happy about the decision that I ultimately made, but he respected it and he wanted the best for me and he understood the why behind it. And so even though it wasn't his choice, he gave me the space I needed and didn't, you know, didn't try to persuade me or convince me otherwise. Like he really gave me the space to listen. So I just think that, you know, coming into relationships now, of course, the, 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 the expect, well, maybe expectation isn't even the right word. The intention is we're in this for the long haul together. Right. But the understanding is that I have no idea 
what life path you or I are going to go on in the next 15 years and how much we're going to evolve. But what I am committed to is supporting you through that process in the most loving way and allowing you to express yourself as a human and making sure that your needs are met. And if your needs are not being met inside the container of our relationship, then I have the choice to say, okay, am I capable of meeting your needs or not. And if I'm not, it's selfish of me to want you to stay. Right. And vice versa. Like if my partner can't meet my needs and they're not willing to, I have a decision to make. Do I want to get them met outside of the relationship or do I want to continue to not have my needs met? And so I think if more people came into relationships that way, like divorces would be so much less fueled with resentment because ultimately one person's getting rejected, right? Usually what happens is like, it's rare that both people are like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a no for me. Usually it's one person being like, I want to stay. And the other person's like, I want to go. And then it causes like this power struggle. Yep. And, and I would say too, like, I don't see it as destroying my previous life. I don't see it as a failure, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. Next question. Actually, the next two questions are very similar. Why did your marriage fail? You know, why did you leave? Why did they leave? Like what happened? Um, this is like such this question. The answer has so many layers, right? It's not an easy answer. Um, if I'm going to sum mine up, like as, as succinctly as possible, like my ex and I, So I talk a lot about like masculine energy, feminine energy, that kind of like power dynamic and balance and stuff like that. And I think our roles in my relationship, like I very much occupied that like masculine energy space. And so men and women, we all have masculine energy, feminine energy. I was so stuck in operating in my masculine energy. And I was that way for the majority of my relationship um, cause I didn't know any better. And when I started to like relax into my feminine more, I didn't feel my partner stepping into that space. And so I felt a lack of like mm-hmm. that alpha leadership energy in my relationship, um, which made me feel like I, a lot, there was a lot of pressure on me to be the leader in the relationship and that kind of stuff. And again, when I say this too, like, mm-hmm. this is my specific experience, like, yeah my ex would has his own specific experience. And I also want to be very clear. Like he was a, he is an incredible man and was an incredible husband in, in so many ways. So it's like not pointing blame in any way either. Um, but yeah, I, I think our masculine energy, like power dynamic was, was off. And I didn't know going into my relationship, like what I wanted that to look like, like I didn't know any better, you know? Um, and I think too, in a lot of ways, like I have always been really into personal development and growth. And I, when we got married, like shortly after we got married, started diving into that so much more and he didn't come with me. Mm. So we grew separately. Right. And so you know, we, and of course the, everyone grows within a relationship and you grow over time. And I don't feel like we were on the same growth journey. So we were kind of like living our own lives, like, and like, we'd like touch, have touch points of like, Oh, well, let's get to dinner, go to dinner together or stuff. So it wasn't like we were in a really, uh, intentional partnership Mm. in all the ways. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo a lot of that. I think for me, it was, Um, the same, like I mentioned earlier, I got to a point where I was really shutting down physically. I wasn't feeling connected sexually, and it was starting to cause a lot of, um, issues in our relationship. And through the context of 
doing a lot of somatic therapy and a lot of coaching, I realized it was, it came down to safety. Like I just didn't feel safe in my relationship for a number of reasons. And part of it was that masculine feminine dynamic, right. Of like feeling like I always had to take charge or I had to take lead and like, whether that showed up in money or our business or different ways. And, you know, I recognize that I created a lot of that through codependency and whatnot. And when I started to unwind that, it was challenging because again, like I was doing a lot of my own work and I had a lot of support and, and unfortunately he didn't have a strong support system in his life to help him navigate through it. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, we started growing in, in different directions and I realized that like what I wanted for my life in a partnership and the val- things that I valued, I wasn't getting in this relationship, but I didn't know that yeah. right until I was in it. And of course, Um, you know, again, you stick it out, you try your best, you do everything you can. And over and over you invite the person into the conversation, but they have to be willing to look at their stuff. And that can be really scary. And you cannot force somebody into bravery. Like you can't force somebody into a willingness to want to look at their own shadow and where they're contributing to the relationship. Um, if they're not willing and ready, even if no matter how safe of an environment you create for them. So for us, ultimately it it was that I just felt like, um, we had different values. We wanted different things in life. Um, our views on personal development and growth were very different. Our views of relationship dynamic were different and yeah, my needs just weren't being met. So that's just what it came down, came down to. Similarly with that too, like a lot of where I felt unfulfilled was showing up in the bedroom Mm -hmm. first, but it wasn't just about sex, right? Like it was so much deeper than that. Of course. The root cause of like, okay, but, but the symptoms, right. I saw in our sex life most obviously. And then I'm thinking, and, and so initially I'm thinking, oh, well, it's just about sex, right? Like it's about, it's about sex but it wasn't, it was about so much more behind that, which comes down to the energy, the power dynamics, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and something for me that I didn't say is, and, and again, my ex has a great job. He was a great provider, like always made sure I was well taken care of all this kind of stuff. And still I felt like if we, if, if we were going to have the life that I envisioned for us and our future family one day, it felt like it was all on my shoulders mm. to make sure that that was going to happen. You so, were driving the vision. Almost. Yeah. So I didn't feel like he was leading mm. us. Yeah. Um, and again, if you think about that, like, okay, if I'm feeling like that in the relationship, yeah, obviously that kind of stuff can show up in the bedroom in a way that's not your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, I see, I'm like, as I'm saying this stuff, I, I want to like apologize for it, for what I'm saying, which is okay, which still shows that there's like, you know, I get to still own my choices and decisions. And like, I don't have to be sorry for them and stuff. Cause like, right. we had a lot of sex and right. we did a lot of crazy things and we didn't like, you know, we had sex regularly and yeah. stuff. And it was yeah. still the energy behind it. That was, right. that was off. Um, all right. Next question. Ooh, these are fun. Be with the love of your life or be a billionaire. I would, I would choose be with the love of my life. And then we can be like multi hundred millionaires. <laughs> I don't yeah. need a billion dollars. I don't know. I was like a billionaire. Like that's a me- mega accomplishment. Um, 
I, and that's where I want to go. Like, I want to be a fucking billionaire. Hell yeah. Because my love, the love of my life will come no matter what I feel yeah, like it, it's an either you or can situation. Have an either or. See, I can't like yeah. become a billionaire no. and then call in my love no, of my life. Is, come okay. On. Then yeah, I would, would you rather, I would question. definitely have a love of my life <laughs> yeah. for sure. And then you can just yeah. make hundreds of millions yes, of dollars. Fair enough. Just, just shy of the billionaire. Okay. <laughs> if I can have the love of my life and be like a $500 million yeah. millionaire, then yeah. There we go. Okay. Easy. <laughs> Okay. So the next question, pansexual versus divorce. This is a weird question because it doesn't actually, it's not an equivalent thing to compare, right? Mm -hmm. So like pansexual means, uh, attracted to people regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, that kind of stuff. So you can be attracted Mm -hmm. to anybody, um, anyone. So I wonder if the question is more of like open versus closed. Yeah. That's almost how I'm taking it. Or like, like, be Stay married, in the marriage, be... but then date other people or sleep with other people sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, that's not my ideal relationship dynamic. I, I would don't... choose pansexual because uh, if, if that were like... I wouldn't choose to dishonor my own needs to stay in the context of relationship. Yeah. I don't, to me, like, yes, I, I never thought that I like divorce was never supposed to quote unquote, be part of my plan. I never envisioned that for myself. I didn't want to get divorced. Like even in conversations with my ex, when we were talking about getting engaged and stuff, I'm like, I'm only doing this once sort of thing. And then I'm the one who, you know, moves to, to end the relationship. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see divorce as like finite and you have to like, you know, once you're married or marriage, I mean, as finite. So once you're married, you have to stay in it no matter what. No. Right, no. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, for me, like, and, and my ex and I, we talked about having an open relationship. We we're like, oh, well maybe, okay, well, if it's more about sex and stuff like that, then like, why don't we be open a bit? And then we decided we were going to do that. So we decided, yes, okay, let's do that. And then as the next day, I was like, no, this isn't the solution. It's, it's more of it's a problem. Deeper There's that. a deeper yeah. issue than, than what's going on. This, this, that would just be a bandaid. Yeah. So no, I don't want that. And for me, like my ideal relationship dynamic is not open and just like all that, like maybe chapters of that are like, right. you know, sprinkled in, but not, um, as the primary like relationship, uh, structure. Another, why do nice guys get used? I, I want to talk about this one because I feel like nice guys get used because if we're using the term nice and the way I'm receiving it in the context of this, like a nice guy being used to me, like you're only being used if you have poor boundaries and you're not really clear on how you're being used. Right. So a nice guy might be a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And again, like kind of going back to like, why do good girls choose the bad boys? This is kind of like the opposite of that, of like, why do nice guys get used? It's a worthiness thing of like, I have to please this person. Otherwise they're going to leave me. And so let me just give them everything they want without any sort of boundary and not having a backbone or saying no, because I'm afraid they're going to leave me. Right. So in that regard, you're going to attract people who don't respect you, who walk all over you because you allow it to happen. Right. But that's not to say like, um, like men who are self-respecting and considerate and giving don't necessarily get used because they're not going to give their time and energy to women who don't value them and don't appreciate them. Right. I think, yes, I I completely agree. I think nice guys that get used when they have poor boundaries and when they're people pleasing and they allow themselves to be taken advantage of. Right. So you're just giving from a place of unworthiness versus like true deserving energy. Yep. You're overgiving. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic. Yeah.